the Warlock Roundup. Hello and welcome to another episode of Wallop Roundup. I am Kyle Joseph. Alongside me are my co-host, Rylan Turner. Rylan, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm ready to talk some wrestling. So this is the October episode reviewing the events of the world of wrestling for September. Not a lot of news this month. No. In fact, most of our show is going to be dedicated to a show that happened on October 1st. That is That is very true. Did want to get into one big piece of news. I think we'll talk about a couple things, but did want to get into one big piece of news in the world of wrestlers moving over. Jake Cargill has been announced as a new member of the WWE roster. Rylan, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, well, I'm super excited for this lady. Uh, she, as we've always said on this show, is a star in the making, and while I've certainly been critical of her in-ring work, giving somebody who, to the WWE audience, is a blank canvas, the performance center to train at, I think is a huge step up than what she was receiving training-wise uh, during her time in AEW. No knock on her run in AEW. I think that AEW treated her with respect. I think that she was able to get out there, make a name for herself. Obviously, uh, uh, enough of a name for herself for the WWE um, company to be interested in her. And she's decided to make the jump. Uh, Cody Rhodes, she has stated, had a lot to do with that. Good for Cody. Let's bring over all the talent that uh, you're a fan of. Ricky Starks next, please. Um. No, uh, I'll say this. Uh, WWE doesn't make a big deal about these uh, signings very often. Uh, they made a big deal about Jade Cargill. Uh, Triple H tweeted about it. We had her walking into the Performance Center, a video from the WWE uh, Twitter page uh, and all the social medias. Uh, we had an interview and we had uh, her doing media like this is a big deal. And I'm I'm I, I'll commend WWE for stepping up and doing this now for somebody who probably could use that rub. So I'm I'm I was really impressed with that. Kyle, what are your thoughts? I mean, it's a big deal. It, she was a big deal wrestler in AEW. You know, there were some things that we could talk about in terms of match delivery, whatever it is. The reality of Jade Cargill is that if she was given more time to shine, I feel like. She would have been more successful when she had her run and was consistently going as part of that. It wasn't the collision. What was the show before collision? Jesus. Uh, rampage. Uh, yeah. Rampage. When she was sort of given the opportunity to just sort of run rampage, she was delivering some solid matches. And I think the thing about this particular character that is very exciting to see in the WWE is what they're going to do with her in terms of the pageantry, in terms of the ability that they have to really throw a budget at a character and make them feel like a big deal. Beyond theme music, which is important, let's, let's be clear, we're going to talk about somebody later for whom theme music is very important. AEW doesn't have that next level of gravitas when it comes to having wrestlers enter. And even on their big deal pay-per-view shows, there are not really hugely different entrances for the wrestlers than they would be at any other TV taping, you know? I agree and disagree. I think certain guys get big 
entrances, and it's usually before they're about to win. Uh, go all the way back to like the Lucha Bros before they won the tag titles from um, the Young Bucks in that cage match. They had a spectacular entrance. Jade Cargill's had a couple of definitely really cool entrances, one with her sorority sisters. Uh, Paige, or sorry, uh, sor- wow, uh, Soraya, just at the All In uh, pay per view, had that grandiose entrance with Queen walking her down to the uh, uh, but the that's ring. the thing about it is that it is still mostly music. You know what I mean? Like in terms of pageantry for an entrance, I don't know that anybody has eclipsed Cody in sure. AEW, and I think sure. that's that's not a a horribly high bar in WWE. Like Cody, Cody's entrance was not one that was going to like really grab your attention. It wasn't AEW because it was particularly unique, but it is still wrestlers just sort of, you know, walking down. They're not doing any zip lines or anything of that nature. You know what I mean? Right. Okay. Fair enough. So yeah. And that's not to say that the characters aren't a big deal and that it doesn't feel important. It certainly does. It's just Jake Cargill is the type of character for whom I think they could do even grander or granded things. Even we're talking about the, we're going to talk about entrance later. Even having a vignette leading into an entrance is kind of a unique thing for AEW. So we'll see where, we'll see where things go with Jade. I'm super excited to see what she's doing. They announced her as Jake Cargill, did they not? They did. So I hope, and I really hope, they let her keep that name. Um, there was rumor that they had trademarked a name that they could have used for her. Um, but uh, another NXT superstar who had whose uh, name that was for uh, came out and said, "No, that w- that was definitely for me," which is I, I was uh, I was really happy with. I really hope Jade Cargill can be Jade Cargill. I think that she's built a brand around being Jade Cargill, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like, yes, you didn't uh, create that, but quite frankly, I'm sure she'd license it to you. You know what I mean? Like, it's as simple as that. I think the big thing, though, is that the reason WWE does it is because they want to control the name and likeness. Sure. They want to be able to say that name and, frankly, to keep it from others. But I feel like Jade Cargill makes a lot of sense. I think that they'll hopefully keep the character around. And keep it relatively recognizable. There's not a lot that needs to be done with the character, you know? Right. Just have her go out, wrestle. Have her wrestle against some people who can really deliver some big matches. Like, if she's going to be kicking around on the main roster, I think a feud against Bailey, for example, might be a really good way to start things out. That's not that's not a bad idea. And it's already kind of been started on Twitter. So let's let's do it. Yeah, 100%. Other news about hirings, less large, but still something. Apparently, Brian Pillman is on his way to NXT. Well, okay, so here's the thing. Brian Pillman's been in the Performance Center for quite some time already. Uh, There was rumor that he was, he had a tryout, and since then, I feel like he's been there, and they've just been trying to figure out what to do with this guy. Uh, For the last few weeks on NXT, we've seen vignettes with somebody sitting there watching television, going back and watching old WCW, WWE, um, and they've very vaguely highlighted a t-shirt with a tiger on it, which led a lot of people to believe that this is the vignettes for Brian Pillman Jr. Uh, WWE announced it as of recording today, uh, October 2nd. Um, 
I'll say this. Um, look, I am a big fan of Brian Pillman Jr., and I'm super excited that he's there because I think this guy's got a lot to offer. What I do think, though, about this guy is that if you look at his AEW run and look at what he has to offer for WWE, I think he's coming into it like a blank canvas. And I don't mean that in saying that he's bland, and I don't mean that in saying that there's not a lot of personality going on there. I just mean that it's not like he blew the world away in AEW. Not, I don't think, to fully his... Um, sorry, I, I don't think that's fully his um, problem. I, I think AEW definitely mishandled this guy. But a blank canvas is not a bad thing to be in the Performance Center, I don't think. Hopefully it works out for him. I, we're going to have to wait and see. I I would like to see him get a push. I think he was always a, a good wrestler who was kind of bubbling under an AEW. And it would be good to see him hopefully elevated. It's hard to say. But at the very least in NXT, I feel like he could be a big, big deal. Sure. Speaking of NXT, we should quickly make mention of the fact that they did have a no mercy pay-per-view that we at very least checked out to some degree did you is there anything you wanted to talk about coming out of it uh well i watched pretty much the whole thing i think i caught the the last half of the the braun breaker and baron corbin match but i otherwise i watched it completely thought it was a really really great show and i thought becky lynch and tiffany stratton in the main event was a great Great, great main event for them, um, as well as Ilya Dragunov and Carmelo Hayes. Like, these guys, for me, stole the show with the match that they had. And Ily Ilya Dragunov um, going over and becoming NXT champion, I think, is a really interesting spot um, for NXT right now. Um, there was also, earlier in the night, Trick Williams, uh, Carmelo Hayes' uh, partner, winning the North American title. I really hope that Hayes and Trick Williams are not split up before Hayes comes up to the main roster. I think that, number one, I think Trick Williams still has some stuff to work out in NXT. And I think that, you know, a decent run with the North American title um, is something that I would like to see for him. I don't think we need any conflict between the two of them i would like to see carmelo hayes come up um with from what it looks like bobby lashley is slowly but surely setting up a hurt business 2.0 carmelo hayes might be a perfect fit for that and honestly kyle it, he was in it in the video game they could really make the 2k23 dream come true for carmelo hayes i feel like carmelo hayes I think you're right. I don't know if there's a lot left that he needs to do in NXT. I kind of feel the same way about Braun Breaker. I don't know exactly what they're going to be doing with him at this point, but, and I feel very similarly about Dominic Mysterio. We'll see what they decide going forward, but I think his place probably needs to be main roster going forward. But yeah, we're in the age of Dragunov. That's very, very cool. I didn't see most of this pay-per-view, but I will say I caught the last match and Boy, Becky Lynch and Tiffany Stratton tore the house down with that one. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was violent. It was athletic. It was physical. It was impressive. It was fun. It was all the things you could have wanted out of a grudge match between those two. And the Extreme Rules stipulation really did add something. It's not a stipulation you see too, too often in NXT. But when they use it and deploy it, they can really nail it. Yeah, I agree. And I will say this, T 
Tiffany Stratton is a character that seems so fully realized and so well done and well put together. And, you know, you don't even really need to think about what this character is about. It's very, very clear what she's about very early on. And both in the ring and out, she has done a fantastic job of implementing this character. And she's only 24, too, which is wild. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't it just like as as I get older, Kyle, I'm more and more disgusted at all the success of all these young people in the WWE and in AEW. <laughs> I think that she is at a place where you could have her stick around in NXT, but I don't know that there's anything left that she needs to do there. Agreed. 100% agreed. And I think she would be an excellent addition to the WWE main roster in whatever capacity they decide they want to put her in. But fully realized heel character with an excellent move set and has been quality talker as well. Like, yeah, this is what's interesting is from where they started with this character, which seemed like a very daddy's girl type of deal, but then they didn't have a person to fill that role. I'm glad that they've put the character where they put it. And I think she has a huge future in this company. A hundred percent. A hundred. I, like I said, this was my first experience with Tiffany Stratton. And, um, while I, I, I did say, uh, when we were on somebody else's show, which we'll plug at the end, um, her, her promos are going to take some getting used to for sure. But I will say that, uh, her in-ring work was, oh God, you weren't wrong. Like they tore the house down. They did something different than anybody else did on that card, and it had every right to be as good as it was, and it over-delivered. So, Ryan, is there anything else you want to talk about before we get into Wrestle Dream? No, let's, let's, let's talk about our dreams, Kyle. All right. So, we'll start with this. Did you watch the pre-show? Uh, I didn't. This is, this is a rare occurrence where you watched the pre-show and I didn't. I saw some of it. I will say okay. it, I saw the first two matches of the pre-show. I did not see Luchasaurus and Nick Wayne, and I didn't see the acclaimed against the Aussies, I guess. TM, TMK, my friend. The, uh, or what was it? What was it? TM61? TM, TMDK. They were TM61 in, in NXT. Yes. Uh, Mikey Nichols and Shane Haste and Bad Dude Tito. I don't I don't know him very well. I'm assuming these are who are they? Yeah, the Mighty Doneal. This is oh yeah, the Mighty. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, they're they're with Zack Saber Jr. That's the unit. Robbie Eagles too. Man, I like that guy. Um, the Castagnoli and Barnett was as physical as you would have expected it to be. Yeah, and those two really did a great job in the time that they had. The opening match was just a lot of fun. It was really cool to see Keith Lee in his element again, which he really seemed to be. And everything Athena is doing right now is fantastic. Are you familiar with her minions in training? No. So Athena on her, on her Twitter handle, I follow Athena on Twitter. I'm a big fan. She's very entertaining. She has been, naming her fans her minions and now has adopted two wrestlers as her minions in training. So she's sort of building a little mini stable of which Billy Starks is one of them. Okay. Okay. I like that. So yeah. And she's very much the, okay, I'm tired of these 
these two and their shenanigans. I'm going to make sure I get them in line and let them know how we behave in this. And I thought she was great. Uh, she hit a, uh, it's now called the O face. She hit that move on Lee Moriarty, which was fantastic. I will say it wasn't particularly fun to have JR on commentary on this particular match because of his curmudgeonly feelings about uh, intergender stuff. Fair enough. They were, he was very clear that they, they shouldn't be wrestling each other because that would be dangerous, which I mean, I guess if we're talking about Keith Lee, I can see your point, but even still, like, I believably think that Mercedes Martinez could stand up to anybody. So, yeah, I 100% agree with that. Um, I want to, I want to go back to the Josh Barnett and Claudio match for a second. Uh, this was the first appearance of John Moxley on commentary. Um, how much of a fan are you of that? So John Moxley in commentary is interesting. I will say this over the course of the show. I enjoyed it more because early on John Moxley, if you've ever seen a John Moxley promo, John Moxley on commentary seems like a sort of extension of that, which is he is a person who says a lot of words to convey his point. So early on, he was a little bit stepping on the toes of some of the other commentators. Not that what he was saying wasn't particularly interesting or that it wasn't, you know, entertaining. It certainly was. And I think if he was working in a two-man booth, he would have had it nailed from the start. But once he sort of adopted to that and I guess stopped cursing, he was... <laughs> that didn't happen, Kyle. Come on. He had a swear jar going all night. I loved <laughs> I loved him coming out and going, I got fined for that on the pre-show. <laughs> so yeah. I'm going to try and keep it under wraps. Yeah. So I'm, yeah, I'm personally excited to see him on commentary in the future. I think he is excellent in that role. And especially for Black Bull Combat Club, he's a nice person who can sit in and do commentary in that. 100% agree. I, I loved him especially during the Danielson and Zack Sabre Jr. match, Agreed. but we'll get there. We'll get there. So, opening match, MJF defended his Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championship against the Righteous. This was a fun opening match. It was a bit of more of a comedy match, which I think you sort of come to expect from this particular run, but it got the job done, I thought. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, he knows what he's doing. Like, this guy's a consummate pro. And also, uh, big ups to the Righteous. I thought they were tremendous in this match, too. All their selling, all of, uh, you know, even their their offense, I thought, was really, really great stuff. And it's too bad that it went down the way it did for them, because I do feel like it wasn't the strongest exit uh, for them. And, and, and while MJF going over strong is fine, um... I would love like to have seen these guys at least, you know, have a couple of near falls. I don't feel like they had nearly enough to make it as believable as I feel like it should have been. But um, like you said, this whole gimmick right now with MJF is kind of a comedy thing. But to that same point, I will say, um, I, I think there's elements of seriousness in there and elements of drama that not a lot of people are catching. Like, uh, for instance, MJF went to tag Adam Cole at one point, realizing yeah. he wasn't there. Like, I thought that was amazing, amazing But stuff. the big thing about MJF matches is that he's so good at having the crowd in the palm of his hand 
him calling out what he was going to do to the group before he came down, I think was excellent. And it really built to that body slam of Dutch. Yes. And making that into a big deal. So I thought, I thought everything about it was fantastic. I would like to see more of the righteous going forward. Yeah. If they're just going to be on ROH, that's cool too. But this, they seem like a t- tag team that the pieces are there. You just need to see them a bit more. And honestly, it's a nice ode to Bray Wyatt. And I think we need more of that on wrestling television right now. So I'm here for it. We'll move along. Eddie Kingston maintained and defended his RH World Championship and Strong Openweight Championship against Katsuyori Shibata. This was good. Yes, yes, it was. This was very, very good. This was some Haas wrestling. Yes, Haas wrestling from two guys who are not obvious Haas's. Well, Eddie Kingston, sure, um, but you don't look at Shibata and think Haas wrestling. But if you know Shibata, you know how that's how he goes down. And I'll say this, uh, the same... Uh, critique or sorry, the same compliment I gave to the women's main event on the NXT show, I'll give to this. It was something different. It was something different than everything else on the card. It breaks up the matches, I think, really well to throw something like this in between. So the crowd's not necessarily as hot as they would have been for the opening match or the final match, but they're not tired either. And I think that this was, this was entertaining enough. Uh, I thought both guys worked tremendously together. And Eddie Kingston is on a run right now. And I'm loving everything he's doing. Him winning the ROH World Championship made so much sense. And he sort of being the face of that division, I think, is a fantastic choice. And I hope he holds this title for a while. And then adding the strong openweight championship means that he'll probably make a couple trips to New Japan over the course of this year, which only really adds to the character. Right. And and like on top of that, this guy just competed in the G1 yep. and had like tremendously great matches over there. So like he's on fire right now. And, you know, like I, the one thing we missed in the news was he announced that he wasn't going to be taking any more independent dates. I do not fault this guy at all for that. This guy's schedule is about to jump through the roof, and he's already come out and said he's working through injuries. Take care of yourself. If you don't need to do those indies, don't do them, because I I would like to see Eddie Kingston a lot more going forward. Agreed. 100%. In our lone women's match, Chris Statlander defended the TBS championship against Julia Hart. I thought this match was very good. Yeah. Yeah, I thought this... This Sorry, is the best Julia Hart match I think we've seen so far. 100% agreed. I, I want to say that she's come a long way from where, uh, where where she was when she was paired with Pillman and uh, uh, generic white guy number two, I, that, whose name I don't remember. Uh, what was it? Griff Garrison. Griff yeah, Garrison. it was Griff Garrison. Okay. Because um, that was a running gag on being the elite was Silver and Reynolds telling Brody, R.I.P., that they had recruited Jungle Boy and it was Griff Garrison. Ah, okay, okay. That's that's. They, I mean, they looked that's a hilarious. little bit similar. Yeah, it was a good time. Um, but no, I I thought this was great. Like again, both ladies worked really well together. I'm really into all the Julia Hart stuff right now. I think that uh, Malachi and Buddy taking time off TV right now is given an opportunity for her to kind of shine and. I I think it's great. I also love the utilization of Brody King at ringside. He's not getting physical, but the announcers are putting over how, like, 
scary this guy is and you don't want to get in front of him. You know what I mean? Like they're putting over the fact that while he may not be getting physically involved with the matches per se, he's he he's a you know, a scary figure at ringside. And it can play some mind games. So I, I think that all this stuff is great. Uh, Chris Statlander was obviously going over. I don't think anyone thought that Julia Hart was coming away with this title, um, which is fine because I don't think she needs it. I think that, again, right now, she's doing all the right things and she she should keep doing those things. Uh, Chris Statlander looked great. She always does. Uh, you you said uh, when we you introduced this match, it was the lone women's match on this card. Do better, AEW, because yes. do better. Because 100%. this is because this card could have used at least one more. It, I could have put two more women's matches on this card. One hundred percent. So, um, but no, I, I I enjoyed this quite a bit. Yeah, and, I, and Chris Atlander, you know, I've sung her praises a bunch. She is excellent. I think the match was very very good. I wish they'd given them maybe a little bit more time. But given the time constraint, I thought they did an amazing job. And yeah, I hope they don't drop Julia Hart. They kind of have a history of building up these contenders and then immediately sort of ditching them as soon as the title matches happen. So I hope they don't do that. She is a part of a very hot faction, and I feel like she should be a in a more prominent role going forward. Agreed. Agreed. Fatal four-way tag team match for a future AEW Tag Team Championship. Young Bucks coming away with the victory over the Lucha Bros, the Guns, and Orange Cassidy and Hook. Rylan, what were your thoughts on this one? Um, I liked it. I like all these these crazy tag matches. I think that they're fun. Um, it's just. It... It's just, it's really chaotic. And I think after, like, knowing what I was going to see going forward, like, I, I knew the card going in, obviously, and knowing what was coming, like, it was just so chaotic that my brain was just kind of scrambled by the end of it. But again, all these guys work hard. I'm really starting to get more and more into Hook every time I see him. I think he's a tremendous worker. I love the joke that, I don't, I don't know if it was during this match, but at some point on the card, uh, Nigel McGuinness was talking about Hook and talking about how he was a good-looking kid and how the apple had fallen off the tree and rolled quite a bit away. And Taz just started laughing and saying, well, his mom's hot, so that's where he gets it from. <laughs> I love oh, that. God. That is very good. I, Nigel, I love that. Nigel really fits in this group. Oh, oh, yeah, that, I will say, I had uh, Mad Dog Mick Hawley join me for the main event of this show, and just him hearing Nigel McGuinness right away, he didn't even know he was in AEW, um, and he was so excited, and like Nigel was perfect, perfect from opening match to f final match. He was so great on this, and I'm so happy to see this guy getting that spotlight because he's great. So yeah, no, he was I, always I, excellent. Yes, uh, this tag match it was it was a lot, but I enjoy a lot. Sometimes it's just I I, I uh, it was a lot. So I, I will say it was it was enjoyable though. It was it enjoyable. was a refreshing sort of burst of energy in between some more serious matches. I do think it would have been better placed as the opener, but I understand why they had MJF open. Right. But I like this is the type of match I think could kick off a show and would be better suited to do that. I think. Agreed. But it was good. It was very entertaining. Everybody sort of got their stuff in, which was good. Penta went off at some point, which is fantastic. The one thing I will say is, 
given what we're going to talk about later with the actual who defended the or who defended who won the AEW Tag Team Championship, are we? I guess we'll talk about that then. I think that's the one thing I will say about this match is the winners kind of put us in a situation where we're getting a match that we've maybe seen a bit too or we've seen before. Not that it hasn't been good, but still, right. We'll move on. Swerve Slipchirkland defeated Hangman Page in a fascinating match. I want to hear your opinion on this one first. I thought this match was very, very good. I think that it was a nice resolution to this particular feud. It was very interesting because for the night, the face heel dynamic was completely turned, and that was Swerve's house 100%. And the fans were fully behind him. And it's interesting seeing Adam Page kind of work heel a little bit. Right. It's not something I want to see in permanence because I think he is a much better face than he is a heel. And he won't get those heel reactions everywhere he goes. But for tonight, I thought this was excellent. Swerve looked really, really good. I thought the the battle of them back and forth was great where they were just hitting each other with everything they could and killing each other. They went through some some pretty uh, nasty spots, as, as often the case. The apron was heavily involved in some stuff, but yeah, this was this was great. I am so happy that Swerve got this match won. Uh, there was a no, uh, there was almost no doubt in my mind that he was going to win, given that it was his hometown, and he had been eating losses for weeks. And Hangman really didn't need the win, but I guess there's always going to be a part of me that is like, mm, but Hangman might get it. He, like, the, the guys at his top level, I, I feel like there's it's not never a shocker when they get a win that they don't necessarily need. So there was a part of me that kind of thought, uh, maybe he'll slip it in. But no, I thought that uh, Swerve's performance was great. The crowd was wild for this. I, I love that. I love that no matter how despicable of a heel Swerve may be, they were behind their hometown guy. And they stayed like that, obviously. Um, but no, I thought this was, this was uh, really, really good stuff. Ricky Starks defeated Wheeler Yuta in a match. Can I let's get your thoughts on this first? It was it was a match. It was a it was a win for Ricky Starks. Good. Good. I'm glad that Ricky Starks got the win. Um but it just it felt like it could have been a pre-show match. I felt like this was one of the matches that could have been another women's match. That's how I felt about this as as, as soon as it was from or, or as soon as the bell rang, I was like, "That was just there." This needed a stipulation. Sure, sure. I think it was going to be impossible to differentiate it, given what you put it between. Even if you were trying to build this as a blood feud, which I think they were, you put it between, you know, a bigger blood feud and the match everybody came to see. Mm. So. Good on them for giving what they could and given the time constraints and everything like that. But yeah, I this needed something else, I think, to actually get it to that next level. I agree. I'm happy to see Ricky Starks win. I do think Wheeler Yuta gets used as the whipping boy a bit too often. He's one of those guys that they just, you know, beat because they always can. 
Sure, but like, don't forget that like during the summer he also got a few pinfall victories over Kenny Omega, and he was he was pinning guys above his level and was made to look really strong. Now I agree with you; he is used as that whipping boy a lot, but I also kind of feel like that's the character within the group for him. There's an undercurrent of guys in this company who are more adept technical wrestlers who don't really seem to get anything out of that. And I think that's kind of disappointing because I think there's more to be had out of a Wheeler Yuta. I feel the same way about Daniel Garcia. Mm -hmm. I, I agree. But yeah, that's sort of where we're at with those, with that. Hopefully we see more. Honestly, Blackpool Combat Club would be a good group to potentially take the trios titles. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. That would be a really good move. Just give them something to do, you know? Brian Danielson, Zack Sabre Jr., 20-plus minutes. What needs to be said? <laughs> uh, I'll tell you. This match sucked. No, it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> no. It was everything you wanted it to be. I feel like they delivered exactly what was anticipated by both of them a technical masterpiece um i hope they run it back i would love to see danielson go at him again e the, the, even on like a wrestle kingdom i think that would be great uh there's also like danielson could also go after okada at wrestle kingdom so there there's a lot of options there a triple threat would be great oh my god uh, <laughs> but no, I, I, I think that, number one, I'm a big uh, Sabre Jr. fan. I have been for a long time, uh, more recently even, though, because uh, with the faction and uh, the the television title in New Japan has really added, like, um, just a, a different level to this guy, I think. His promos have been fantastic. Um, and, again, we've wanted this match for years, and, Kyle, I don't know if... You have think differently, but I just feel like it delivered exactly what we wanted. It was weirdly placed on this show. Yeah, because I, I did not know that it wasn't the main event. It, it For the longest time, I felt like it was advertised they, as yeah, the they main build, event. I mean, they build this show basically off this match, and then it showed up, you know, pretty smack dab in the middle of this card. Right. Which was a little bit odd, but given what came later, I, I sort of get it. But yeah, this was... This probably could have been the main event, but given how they booked things, it just wasn't really going to be possible. The Don Callis family defeated Jericho, Omega, and Ibushi. I don't know where to go with this. Because I thought the match was pretty good. I don't I think, think it was... Yeah. I don't I think, think it was, you're underselling it. I I I don't know if it was at the level of some of the other matches. And I think the biggest thing for me is I came out of this match at the end of it kind of deflated because of the recognition that, oh my God, is this story still going? And the answer is, yeah, probably. I will agree with you there. I 100% agree that this is, I'm done. I, I don't care about this anymore. Especially... <laughs> Especially now that the, the the photo has been released of who filmed all of the segments in Japan with Don Callis and and Kenosuke Takeshita being Kenny Omega, like <laughs> as soon as that picture came out there, I was like, this storyline needs to end and end now. Like, um, 
Look, I think you're underselling the match. I think the match was tremendous. I thought that these guys were all so, so good. I thought this was Kota Ibushi's best performance since he's shown up in AEW. Um, I thought Chris Jericho looked great. I loved the chemistry between him and Omega as well as him and Ibushi. Um, I loved the press conference afterwards where um, Chris Jericho called him and and Kenny Omega the Golden Jets. I thought that was a a brilliant tag name for that team. Um, Bobby Hall reference aside, yuck. but regardless, no, I thought this was really, really good. I I, I thought, now, I went into this going like, this is just going to be a match. But I, at one point during this match, had to send a message to Katie King Kinsey from Smackin' It Raw just to say that these Winnipeggers are having one hell of a tag match here. Because I, I absolutely thought it blew my, it blew all my expectations out of the water. I thought this was a really good match. So, yeah, I, I am not as down on it as you are, but 100% agree that I do not want this storyline continuing. And I really want Sammy Guevara as far away from this group as possible. It just, and that's the thing, is this group feels so thrown together, and then it leaves, you know, it's cool, I guess, to see that, say, that Jericho and Omega tag together, but this group is so disparate, you know? Yeah, there's and there's better stories you could be telling right now. Honestly, the Golden Lovers are the people who should be challenging for the tag titles. I, I you know what? I, I think the better story would have been if Don Callis turned Coda on Kenny, and then we got a long, drawn out feud between those two. Oh, I don't know if they we have that in us. <laughs> <laughs> you don't think so? I don't know. I. I I knew it would be great. They're obviously amazing at wrestling against each other. But that's the other question is how much is Coda going to be here too? Well, yeah, yeah that's And also, like, we don't need more Don Callis clients. We have so many already. Right. I, I just, I think as opposed to Sammy Guevara, I would have preferred Kota Ibushi. FTR defeated Ozzy Open for the AEW Tag Team Championships, retaining their, their championships. I thought this was good. Yeah. Wasn't as good as their match on Royal Quest. I, I, you know, I watched that match earlier in the week just to kind of get myself a refresher on these guys. Um, I thought that match was better, but this was, this was, like you said, good. This was a good match. And FTR is over. Aussie Open, I feel like, is over. That Kyle Fletcher guy, deceivingly tall. Like, mm-hmm. when, they, when they announced that he was 6'6", I was blown away because as soon as they said it, I saw it. Yeah. Before that, I, I I didn't really notice how tall he was. Yeah, he's 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 the less domineering of the two, so it's it's not uh, it's not always obvious. But that's that's Kyle though, because the other guy looks like Uncle Daryl. I don't know if I quite see that, <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, FTR get the victory. The one thing I will say about this is because I wanted to talk about this earlier. Do we need another Bucks FTR match? I don't think so. Like, not right now. Like, and so I feel like the Lucha Brothers, for example, that would have made for a much more entertaining match to me than than Ozzy Open. No, than Bucks FTR. Yeah, I mean, no, Ozzy Open was fine here. It. The one thing I'll say about Ozzy Open is, unless and until they're actually going to sign with AEW, I'm never going to believe that they're going to win a tag championship, which I, I'm pretty sure they're both take signed. me out of it a little bit. I, I, I'm pretty, they, yeah, I'm pretty sure they're both they all, all Yeah, I'm pretty sure they are. 
Because I thought they were still doing, they're still involved in New Japan stuff. Well, I think they are definitely still involved in New Japan stuff, but like I do seem to remember them signing, and that was what got uh, Mark Davis the surgery that he needed. Was they offered to pay for him, uh, pay for it, and that's when they decided to sign. Okay, so they have signed. Yes. Okay. Okay. But yeah, so hopefully they're able to build this team up again and and have them wrestle against again. All the pieces are there for the tag division to be very entertaining right now. Right. Just got to put it together. Finally, Christian Cage retained the TNT Championship, defeating Darby Allen in a two out of three falls match. This was something else. This is like a match of the year candidate for me. I don't know if maybe I'm off on that, but like I thought these guys were so good. Don't get me wrong. Darby Allen needs a couple weeks off after this one. Like, and I think that's saying the very least. That stair spot was scary. Um, but I thought these guys were tremendous together. Christian is in, in his own world. This might be the best run of his career. This might be. Um, this character I, is so fully realized. It's it, He's doing very, very good work with the character, certainly. And, 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 um, I think that when we look back on Christian's career in maybe 10 years, there's not enough being said about how tremendous he is right now. I love the fact that, number one, they actually got the TNT title on him. I think that was a really smart move because while I think it was funny to have him just carrying around the TNT title while Luchasaurus held it, it just makes more sense for him to be the focal point. He's the leader of this group. And uh, it just, for me, it makes more sense. Darby was incredible in this match. I feel terrible for him just because, holy fuck, did he ever take a beating? Um, Kyle, I'll let you finish your thoughts on the match, and then we'll get into the post-match. Yeah, I thought thought the match was very, very good. I thought it was incredibly violent and got to a, you know, dangerous element, certainly. And, you know, that when Christian was there peeling up the entire ring, that was something different and sort of telegraphed why this match needed to go on last. I thought it was good. I thought it was very good. I, I do think that there it was, it used the violence for the purpose of elevating the match. And I don't know that that made the match like truly great to me. I feel like it, it elevated the emotion of it, but I don't know that it, it makes me feel like it's a match of the year in that way. But yeah, Darby had a good showing. I thought Christian was solid in his heelishness as he seems to really be right now. This is just this is just very, very good. And it led to an interesting, albeit odd, post match. So in the post match, Nick Wayne comes down after yeah, Nick Wayne comes down first. And Instead of hitting Christian, he takes out Darby with the title. Which I feel like they've been teasing. So They have been building to... I'll be interested to see where they go with this. If this is going to be the group, how they're going to sort of work this out. I... See, this is interesting. It's Nick Wayne in this role. I feel like a little bit that this was the role that Jungle Boy was supposed to sit in. I mean, you're not wrong, but... I I don't feel I I feel like they needed to do something with this kid right away because obviously it's a 
It's, it was, a, they made him a big deal. They signed him as soon as he turned 18 years old. And I feel like they needed something for him right away, but he didn't necessarily fit into everything else. And this is the perfect role for him, really. Like, just being, uh, you know, not a heavy, but like a medium, I guess, <laughs> for Chris. It's a big match machine. Sure, sure. <laughs> um he he uh he's just he's another guy for christian's group i i i dig it i personally think that although i will say um i i heard on i believe it was the post wrestling review of this show them talk about he had 5 hours in between his match with luchasaurus and this match to decide fuck my mom fuck this i'm i'm just going to go side with christian here like i i don't know i um I, I thought this was all really good, but let keep going, Kyle. Sting comes out to even the odds. Luchasaurus comes out to uneven them again. They end up beating down Sting, set him up for the concerto. Lights go out. We get a vignette. Pretty obvious who it was going to be. But then we hear Medlingus. Yes. Yes. And out comes Adam Copeland, the former Edge in WWE. Adding more atoms to this company. He is the rated R superstar still. He is. So Adam Copeland comes out and sets up the concerto, but instead he takes out the heels. Christian getting away before the two are able to get hands on each other and sort of escaping the crowd, holding on to his championship as Adam Copeland stands alongside Sting and in a way Darby. He shakes hands with Darby. That's how we go off the air. I want to be clear about this. I think this is an interesting story. I think we're it's building to something that could be interesting. How long is Edge going to be wrestling? Well, I will tell you because if they, if they he was the first guest on the uh, the press conference afterwards. He is full time. He will be there every week. Jesus. Uh, they have not expressed how long he will be there length, uh, contract length-wise, but um, I'll say this. I understand that Edge is 49 years old. Christian is also 49 years old. I want to point that out uh, just for everyone listening. Um, this guy's... We've got to watch in the last few years uh, this guy's comeback, his... Um, some tremendous matches he's had in the WWE. I don't think, I think for me, this moment was almost surreal because as much as it was heavily rumored and as much as it all kind of made sense, WWE was done using him. They kind of gave him a swan song, albeit on a random episode of SmackDown, which is neither here nor there. They didn't have any plans for him. And he obviously felt like he still had a lot left in the tank, or at least some left in the tank. He he talked about uh, during the press conference how he had taught, sat his wife and kids down. Oh, by the way, I do want to shout out uh, Beth Phoenix. Uh, the post that she or she or the tweet that she tweeted out um, post his debut was hilarious. I don't know, Kyle, if you got a chance to see it. Yeah, I did. I saw it on on Twitter, and I saw you you shared it as well. It was yeah. It was him writing out his his AEW thing, being a little bit snarky, you know, or smirky. I don't know what the right word is. It was, it was entertaining. Um, he had talked about how he'd sat down with his wife and kids, and his daughter was the one who told him to go work with Uncle Jay and have fun. And 
like he talked about in the press conference, all the names of guys that he wanted to work with, uh, Luchasaurus being one of them who he will be working with next Tuesday uh, as Dynamite's going to air on a Tuesday night, uh, which Tony Khan immediately went, it's my birthday. It's like a birthday present. And I'm like, calm down. Um, But I will say, like, we've got to watch some of the highest highs in this guy's career in the last few years, and this seemed like one of them. I do want to address the Metalingus thing because what were you confused by? I was surprised because again, I don't, I know the song exists, but I was surprised that they licensed it. So he's friends with Mark Tremonte, who wrote the song. Alter yes. Bridge is the band. Uh, apparently, he called Mark Tremonte up, explained what he was planning on doing, and the response was cool. Go ahead and use it. The other thing was they did, in fact, it was reported that they did, in fact, re record the sting at the opener. Yes. The you think you know me because that I'm pretty sure belongs to WWE. Right, it does. However, I do want to talk a, a bit about this rated R superstar thing because Kyle, I gotta say, uh, apparently WWE has not had that trademark since 2020. What is that? Is that just is that an oversight or is that just them thinking, oh, we'll never lose this guy? I don't know. I mean. Let's be clear. He's 49 coming off neck fusion surgery. Right. Right. I do I do think there was definitely an element of like, okay, how many matches is he actually going to wrestle? Also, there's also, I think, a part of this, because, you know, again, Christian got the opportunity, got to have his Royal Rumble moment, and then went to AEW. I think some people were expecting him to sign with WWE, myself included, and that never ended up happening for whatever reason which is so very typical of Christian's career. Yes, yes. But I do think that he gave WWE, you know, three, two, three solid years of performances. He was, you know, main eventing for a lot of that. He had some very solid matches and some important situations. Probably the greatest return in Royal Rumble history. Yeah, I'd say so. So I feel like they got a lot of what they wanted out of Edge here. And, you know, on top of the career he already had for the company. So there might just be an element of, okay, you know what? You can go be the rated R superstar. We're not going to keep that from you. Maybe, uh, maybe we'll see. Maybe um, he's going to be known as Adam Copeland, which is fine by me. I think that that's, that that's a good name. name. That's his name. And it's a good name. You know what I mean? Like, there's there's not not a part of, like, I, I think if, if, if Edge is the hang-up for some people, like, you're really overthinking it. Because, like, Edge wasn't the most fantastic name. It's just what we've called him for the last 25 years. So, um, I although there was a small part of me that was really hoping for Sexton Hardcastle. And, and I won't lie, Kyle, I won't lie. When that, the vignette played of him racing in the, uh, the car there, which he did also talk about on the press conference saying that that was one of the most surreal experiences of his life. Cause, uh, the, the story goes is when he got to Seattle, he immediately called Darby Allen and just hung out with Darby Allen all weekend. And Darby was the one who got him, made the vignette with him. So he got, oh, him, that's awesome. He made the muscle car or he got the, got him the muscle car and, Apparently, Edge was, or sorry, Adam Copeland was hanging on to the cameraman as he was hanging out of the car, doing all these wild things. And the whole time he was just thinking to himself, this is the greatest gig in the world. 
This is this is the best thing. How happy he looked at the press conference was enough for me to go, let's go. And it was enough for me, and Kyle, you're going to laugh at this, to buy the t-shirt. So in about seven weeks, go. I will have the t-shirt because it's a good t-shirt. Also, and this is kind of important, that vignette was very good. It was. It was really good. So if that's, you know, Darby Allen, I'm, I'm not surprised. That's sort of a, a common thing for, for skateboarders have to be able to, you know, to shoot things very well. So I don't know if Darby Allen shot it, but he set it up for him. Right. But yeah, I, I do think there's there's an element of being able to put that sort of idea together that I think is is very impressive. Uh, Adam Coblin did, I want to, you know, close out this by just saying he did tell one more story about how he, Darby took him to his favorite cheeseburger place in Seattle and a fan saw Adam Copeland hanging out with Darby Allen and he just basically came up, introduced himself and a- Adam Copeland looked at him and just said, shh, <laughs> uh, and nobody got wind of it. He said that that was the, the closest call he had the entire weekend and he hung out in uh, his hotel room for pretty much the rest of the time. And uh, yeah, I thought it, honestly, I thought it was a really tremendous way to go off the air. I think and uh, this, how often do you get two amazing comebacks in your career? Yeah. So I'm really happy to see Adam Copeland in, in AEW. I'm excited to see what he offers to the company, both in a in-ring character perspective as well as he did talk about how he's going to help out backstage produce and he wants to be involved in the creative creative process as well so let's let's go i'm I, this is a really exciting way to go off the air yeah i'm excited for him we'll see what they decide to do i'm hoping this isn't you know like a multi-year run with him but i would he's the type of guy who i would like to see him stick around after his career is over after he's done in the ring yes because he is a great character. Him and, and Christian both would be excellent managers. Well, yeah, I think Christian's proven it over the last or, year and a half. Or honestly, if we're gonna do if we're gonna bring out anything that needs to happen, I wanna wish this into existence. Adam Copeland, Christian Cage, co-commissioners of AEW. Oh God, that sounds great. Kyle, you've put it in the universe and that's I'm so excited for uh, like God. I, I hope that happens. I hope that Me happens. Too. At any rate, that is, I think, everything for our show. Rylan, why don't you tell the people what they can look forward to on this channel in the coming weeks? Okay. Well, uh, along with this show, we are going to have uh, next week, uh, Friday, we will have the uh, Friday Morning Lights, the October edition, we, where we are going to march into October and talk about the MLB playoffs, as well as Red Bull's domineering performance in this season of F1. Uh, we're going to talk about Damian Lillard going to the Milwaukee Bucks, and we're going to talk about, what else are we going to talk about, Kyle? There was another thing in there, wasn't there? Uh, Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, yes. Him and his poor, poor, poor meniscus, or whatever happened. Achilles, uh, I don't know. It was bad, though. It was really bad. We're going to get into it. That's next week. A week after that, we will have our uh, conclusion to our over-under series for at least the pro wrestler aspect of it. Uh, We will uh, finish up the AEW roster, the final 25. A week after that is WrestleQuizdom. And then at the end of the month, Kyle Joseph, you are joining myself and DK for World's Funniest Podcast, the Halloween edition. 
the Halloween edition. We are going to over under some classic rock acts. Uh, we're going to tell some spooky. Kyle, do you got spooky stories? I don't know that I do. I might have a couple, but I'd have to see. Okay. All right. Well, and um, we're oh, also, I, I just, I want you to be warned weeks in advance. Uh, DK and I are curious to know your Folk Fest experience. So we're going to be talking to you about that. The, sh- the light will be shined right on you <laughs> for that one. Good to know. Um, and yeah, so no, I, I'm very excited for that. That's going to be a really, really great show. I do want to, uh, before we get out of here, say that uh, last month's World Funniest Podcast was also very good. Uh, Mick Hawley joined myself and DK, told a bunch of great stories. Uh, we laughed about myself having to take cold showers for four weeks and just a, a lot of other great stuff. I bitched about Starfield uh, fans, or not Starfield fans, but nerds in general. Uh, it was a really good one. Um, Kyle and I just finished uh, WrestleQuizdom 3. Expect WrestleQuizdom 4 to be championship-packed. That's all I gotta say. Um, And before I finish plugging all that stuff, Kyle and I last weekend appeared on Smackin' It Raw, the the number one wrestling podcast on Pornhub. Uh, Kyle, what was your experience like on our second round on Smackin' It Raw? It was very fun. It's always an entertaining show. And, you know, Matt Ritter and... Vince and Katie do an excellent job with that podcast and we got to go on there and talk about wrestling and it was a good time. It was. It was. We had to defend our country a lot. <laughs> I will say that. Um but no, I I enjoyed it immensely as I always do when we get to mix it up with those guys. Uh it's always a blast. So with all that being said, Kyle, why don't you send the people home happy? Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. All the way to the end, we appreciate each and every one of you, and you have been walloped. You have been listening to a Wallop Media podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Wallop Media. The hosts of our shows are Rylan, Kyle, and DK. You can find Rylan on Twitter at Rylan Wallop and Kyle on Twitter at Kyle Wallop. Production is by RJ Spearin. You can find his work at facebook.com slash spearkingco. Logo designs are by Maisie Mulder. You can find her work on her website, maisiemulderdesigns.com. Our podcasts are hosted by Acast. You can listen to them on the podcast catcher of your choice or on our website, shows.acast.com slash wallopmedia.